Today on Locked On Canadians, CSE Linen is re-signed, and what is the future of the Habs defensive core? Let's talk about that because you all had some thoughts, and that's coming up on today's Locked On Canadians. You are Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi there, everyone, and welcome to episode 895. We thank you for making us your first listen of the day every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, as well as on YouTube. My name is Laura Saba, also known as The Actistic, and I'm joined, as always, by Scott Matla of Habs Eyes on the Prize. Uh, and today we have news, and that's why we decided to do a Tuesday episode as opposed to a Wednesday one. Uh, Scott, what's going on? There is, like, I, I want to say it's the last bit of homework for Kent Hughes. Yeah, this was the last, like, as we had talked about last week, or not last week, but the week before that is, what did Kent Hughes have left to do? And it was to re-sign forward Jesse Olinen. He was the last remaining restricted free agent, and he's done. We are, we are done with the summer of Kent, I, I guess, is if we want to call it that. Um, the, the Finnish winger signs one year deal, one year, two way deal. So he gets 275 grand in the AHL 775 at the NHL level paid slightly less than Michael Pizzetta, but it, he uses, he's done everything that we were looking for today or this summer is brought back Monahan traded, you know, one of those other contracts this time it was Joel Edmondson off the books got Caulfield re-signed, got Harvey Pinard under contract, brought back everyone that was a core piece or a, a regular piece, I should say, to this Canadian's team in pretty efficient order while also still loading up the rocket, taking care of some other business with the draft and everything in the middle here. It's been an efficient summer for Kent Hughes, and I'm glad that Yolanin is back. The two-way deal makes me think they're going to try and squeak them through waivers to start the year if they can't move other players. But that might just be the inner part of me being like, wait a minute, two-way contract. How many other players got two-way contracts? And it's not many, uh, but it's good that this is done out of the way. Kent Hughes is done before August 1st. So if you are looking for Canadians news at any point in time here, no. It's just, it's probably not going to be a thing up until we get closer to uh, rookie camp and the rookie showcase in September. That's exactly it. So I wonder if that was the, like, really the quote unquote delay. I didn't think it was too much of a delay given where Elonen is on on the depth chart. Is that like, it's not, it didn't take that long in, in retrospect or in perspective, not retrospect, in context. And I wonder if it was the two way aspect of it that was the deal here. Um, that was the difference that made the difference. And I think part of it is too, is that I think Hughes, I wouldn't be shocked if he's like, I'm trying to move bodies. So I have a guaranteed spot for this younger player here. And we we've talked a little bit about this and I'm, 
uh, writing, I'm actually signed up for Yessi Lennon's top 25 under 25 profile. I will not tell you what number he is at Eyes on the Prize uh, because then they will yell at me and I don't want to get yelled at for that. Spoiler so, alert. <laughs> yeah, really. Like, and the thing about it is he had his best professional season in North America here and people are waiting for him to make that jump full time. I think he would have made that jump full time if the space was here. And I think the two-way contract is trying to save the Canadians some money. They're they're trying to scrimp by in some places where they where they haven't been able to solve their contract woes. Basically, uh, the Hoffman you have Armia in there. The emergence of Rafael Harvey Pinard. Like if he hadn't shown up, would he be penciled in in the NHL or would he be on the Rocket next year? Michael Pozzetta establishing himself. There's still Rem Pitlick around here too. There's a lot of bodies in there, and I think people are going to look at Jesse Lennon kind of being in that in-between spot as a negative on him, and I think he is continuing to show that he is a very talented player here. I uh, Let me bring up his numbers in front of me here real quick, and I thought he had a very good season on two teams that struggled to score goals a lot, and he had uh, 16 points in 37 games for the Habs, which – Okay, fair. The Habs are not exactly weren't exactly lighting the world on fire, but that's fairly good secondary production for a guy who is base who is basically a rookie at that point. And then for the Rocket, thirty two points in thirty nine games, playing a top six role for that team. And what I've noted more is he's always been a very good shooter. He's developed an even stronger playmaking asset to his game. There, he's become a very good playmaking winger for the rocket with his skill and his hands and his speed and his agility. He reminds me a lot of what I think Philip Machar is going to develop into. They have that speed, that agility to make things happen with a really good shot to pair along with it. And kind of, I don't know if they'll put them on the same line together next year, but I think it would be a ton of fun if that were to ever happen. I don't want people to give up on him just because he's a shiny new toy. Yes, Ilonen is an NHL player. He is an NHL player stuck in line behind so many bodies that the Canadians cannot move that he's kind of caught in limbo here. And I know Ken Hughes is going to do what he can to try and make something happen out of that, but it is it's tough. I just I don't want people to give up on this before that next step is reached. I think that next step this upcoming year is he should be is uh, close to an everyday NHL player as you can get at this point, maybe not on back-to-backs or something like that. But I think he is someone whose creativity will benefit the Canadians when he is in the lineup full-time. And I think that's been kind of the sticking point is that people have been thinking that it's like, it's, it might be his progression or lack thereof. I think people were pretty okay with him. Uh, but the real issue here, and I know we're going to talk a little bit more about this in the second segment. The real issue here is that the Canadians have too many bodies right now. It's too many bodies. And a lot of people are not expected to be on long-term. And then in the future, they're just going to have too many bodies period. Like they have had a couple of pretty strong drafts um, and, a lot of like I think part of the issue there is that there are a lot of people who are expected to come up around the same time. Uh, in terms of Yessi Linen, like how much of a trade piece or trade value do you see in him? Like let's say he's added to some to to another player that the Canadians really want to move off the roster. 
he's the kind of player that is in that tweener status that a team with space for him will get the most out of him. And that if the Canadians are trying to jettison a contract, he's likely the guy you attach to that because he has that offensive upside. There is, there is value in him as a player, him alone, probably not, but as an additional add on to something, I absolutely think so in that regard, a team with cap space who needs, I'm not going to say a top six NHL forward because I don't think he is that. Uh, I think if you put him in the middle six there in a third line role right now to start, give him some softer matchups with a skilled center, someone who plays with, you know, finesse, they're going to get the most out of him. And I think there are teams out there that would look for that. It's just, are you willing as the Canadians to jettison probably your most NHL ready prospect from the AHL to another team just because you were unable to move another contract instead of waving a rem pit, like trying to just, you know, sacrifice a pick and getting rid of someone else. And I, I gotta say, maybe not, that's not a yes for me. And we've talked about whether or not we would trade him at all. It's not a yes for me because I think that there is a, a tremendous opportunity in front of yes. Olin in this season and based on the way he has progressed, I think he's going to, if he's given that chance, I'm hoping he sees seizes that truly all the way through. So I think the other thing with Yessie Lennon is that like people think that there's a competition for his spot. I don't think the competition is for his spot. Like, I don't think, like, I think that he's at a spot in the lineup where it's like, the only reason he wouldn't make the NHL is not because somebody surpassed him from the people expected this year to play in Laval, et cetera, et cetera. It's that there's just the NHL is just too like over, over saturated with forwards uh, for the Montreal Canadians. I apparently have forgotten how to speak. You know, I have a podcast like three times a week, up to five times a week, and I've forgotten how to speak. But uh, I do want to move on to our next topic because I did say yesterday we people need to stop trying to t- trade Jordan Harris off this roster. We have a mailbag question from last week that is kind of related to this. And I got a lot of responses from the listeners about what I said. Uh, so we will be moving on to talk about that in just one moment. But first, I have to tell you about our sponsor, FanDuel. Why do I have to tell you? Because honestly, truly, they are the number one sportsbook, and you can't go wrong with FanDuel Sportsbook. You can take your first swing at betting Major League Baseball on FanDuel right now, and you can get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets for up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks, and you'll lend $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's 200 that you can spend betting everything from the money line to the over-under to who you think is going to get the first home run. All on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you can get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, the official partner of Major League Baseball. Anna's. All right, Scott. So yesterday I went on a little bit of a spiel saying that uh, people need to stop trying to trade Jordan Harris. Now, one of the biggest reasons I don't want Jordan Harris traded is because if you trade Jordan Harris, um, 
you're likely spending the same amount or more money on an inferior player. I think part of the value of Jordan Harris is as a depth defenseman. It is not as a number one defenseman. It's not even a second pairing defenseman. So Scott, uh, I did want to pull up a mailbag episode that we received for our prospect episode. And it was uh, regarding the defensive lineup in the next few years. Um, Oh my God. I have so many questions. Hold on. So, I love when people send us projected lineups, which I I truly, truly do. This one comes from Dan on YouTube. Who are the top six defensive pairings for the Habs in three years' time? My lineup would look like Reinbacher, Hudson, Baron Gouli, Mayu, Jackai, with Harris being traded in the next few years. So this was a mailbag question for the prospect mailbag, but I did want to bring it up. And like, let's talk about the future uh, defensive core of the Montreal Canadiens. Why do we think Jordan Harris will get traded? And why do we think that Jordan Harris should not get traded? Before I jump into that, the first part of that uh, uh, question I want to get to is there's no Adam Engstrom in that lineup, which I think is an oversight in and of itself, just because I think he will force his way into the NHL lineup quicker than I think a lot of people are anticipating. I wouldn't be surprised if the Canadians gain him and Hudson in the same offseason, which is like better than almost any free agent signing you might be able to make there. And the thing about Jordan Harris is Jordan Harris is not a, he is not a superstar. He is not a flash and sizzle player. He is as I want to compare him a little bit to a good, like defensive midfielder or center back in soccer football for those They are not always the flashiest person on there, but when they are very good at what they do, you do not notice them because you are not worrying about them. Jordan Harris is very smart with the puck, very responsible in his own end. Yes, he has his brain farts because who among us doesn't? That's just part of the process here. And I like like keeping him around right now because he is plug and play no matter where. You can put him on the top pairing if you need to for a game. You can put him on your second pairing. You can put him on your third pairing. You can put him on your penalty kill. I don't know about the power play just because I think that that should be Mike Matheson's spot to run. And then maybe a guy like Caden Gooley on power play two or a Justin Barron on power play two. I just don't like the idea of trading Jordan Harris so willingly right now because then when you trade Jordan Harris to a team looking for a Jordan Harris type player – You, the Canadians, are then, we have been looking for another player like Jordan Harris, and then we got to go out and try and find another Jordan Harris when we already had Jordan Harris, but we traded Jordan Harris. Do you understand why? It's like everyone trying to find an Arturi Lekkanen again. Only the Canadians really, you know, made out well trading that because they they were terrible. There was no reason to hold on to Arturi Lekkanen at that point. You can use Jordan Harris as maybe not a core pillar, but a very strong support beam in that defensive system here. And then when you see what Logan Mayu's development looks like, when Adam Engstrom is coming over there, what does David Reinbacher's development look like? What does Lane Hudson's development look like? You don't want to assume that every single top prospect is going to come in and boom, we are the best we can be. It's a very good way to set yourself up for disappointment. I I believe in Lane Hudson. I believe in David Reinbacher. I believe in Adam Engstrom. I believe in our defensive prospects a lot because that is also how I keep myself sane during these seasons here. 
you know Jordan Harris is a stable presence here. Before you find out what other elements you are adding to this team at the professional level, do not get rid of someone that you know can be a stabilizing presence. And if Engstrom comes in and does what Harris does, but better, okay. If Hudson, we already know Hudson's a better offensive player, but if he continues to round out his game, you go ahead and do that. And that goes for pretty much anyone on this defense, save for maybe Caden Gooley. Anybody else on this defense is a tradable asset. Teams are drooling over Arbor Jack at this point. I am absolutely sure of that. That doesn't mean the Canadians should trade him right now. They have said asset, and you don't want to be looking for said asset when you had it already. I, I don't love the idea of doing it right now just because there's so much upheaval still happening here. Having a guy who plays that, that soothing kind of style and slows things down and has a calming effect is what you want. You used to have it with, you know, Andre Markov and Jeff Petrie together. You used to have it with Shea Weber for a little bit, Joel Edmondson when he was healthy. Getting rid of that now, you know, you're, you're betting on what ifs. When you find out what those what ifs are becoming and if they are blowing you away, then you pull the trigger on that. At this exact moment, I don't see a reason to make a trade on Jordan Harris right now. So to be fair to this, um, this question or the person who asked this question, they did say trading Harris in the next few years. So here's my issue with, with it. not my issues. It's like, this is, this is what I'm going to bring up is that you just mentioned a whole bunch of players. There are fewer slots on this defense than there are players that are expected to be promising, right? Uh, like in this, like you said, I didn't hear anywhere in this lineup, I didn't hear Angstrom, right? We also have to remember that at some point the Canadians are going to have to start trading some good or promising players in order to get value in return. The closer they get to contending, the more we have to realize that there are there that there are going to be assets that they are going to end up giving up if they're going to get something good in return. So some of these players might have a spot on the Canadians lineup, but might have enough value that the Canadians will end up trading them because they'll have a surplus of players. Like it'll like that's a good luxury to have. It's not you know, it's it's not fun for us because we get attached to these players. We get attached to their potential. We see them play together and we're going to see a lot of skill. We're going to see a lot of positive things. And if you think of like who the other GMs are calling about, they're probably calling about Harris, let's be honest. But they're also definitely calling about Jackeye 100%. I don't know if they're calling about Baron. I kind of hope they are because I feel like he's the odd man out in my dream roster. Uh, but they're going to be calling. I mean, they're even going to be calling about Gooley. It's just that that Kent Hughes is going to be hanging up in their face. Um, even Reinbacher, they're going to be calling about. You know what I mean? So at some point, there's going to be something that makes sense for a team. I just want to also say in this lineup, like, I don't know if necessarily, like, it was the first pairing. So, like, the way that it was listed is Reinbacher, Hudson, Baron, Gooley, Mayu, Jackai. I don't know that Reinbacher, Hudson would be the top pairing. I think it would be, in this scenario, it would be Gooley and probably Mayu next to him. Or somebody else that they bring in but Gooley is definitely the top pairing defenseman and Ryan Bakker or Hudson would have been the second pairing and also depending on how in the future this is Mike Matheson is still around who is still a very good NHL defenseman I think if they are both hitting their ceiling Ryan Bakker Hudson is 100% your top pairing if 
they are hitting that potential. And that is what that is what we are banking on as Canadians fans. Can they hit that potential? Lane Hudson's a special talent. David Reinbacher has that ability to be just like I talked about that that central back, that center back in football that you don't pay attention to because he just does his job so efficiently. That's what you're hoping for out of David Reinbacher. And that yeah, you hope there's some offensive upside there, score some goals, add some assists and everything. But I think that's the goal. And then you have an Engstrom, you have a Gooley, you have a Mayu somewhere in there, you have a Jack Eye. Maybe it's somebody else comes along in there. You're waiting and seeing. There's a lot to like. And the the good news is for the Canadians, they have options in case maybe Justin Barron has hit a ceiling. Okay, he's a third pairing NHL defenseman. Fine. Wouldn't you rather Jordan Harris on your first line? And that's the thing is it's like maybe this is what Jordan Harris is. Maybe Jaden Struble becomes Jordan Harris with more physicality. Maybe, you know, William Trudeau becomes a guy who make plays NHL games. There's so many defensive prospects that they are not banking on just one having to hit, which is such a change from the past. They do not have to bank on one person being a star now. They can develop a ton of this. And then guess what? If you load up on them, then you trade and you collect assets. Yeah, it stinks to trade a good asset, but if you've got five good assets and you trade one of the ones that doesn't fit into your lineup, your future still, assets. You still got five good assets instead of, well, we have a guy we're banking on and then someone we know who's a top prospect and we're just going to trade it. It's, I, I think to get to your main point is we're not trading Jordan Harris right now. I don't think it's a wise choice right now. I think they're going to try and sneak Kovacevic through waivers potentially. Uh, he's got two years left on this deal. That usually scares teams away a little bit. Ken Hughes is going to have something cooking up here. Unfortunately, on defense, it's a log jam. Just like in the forward group with the Olinen, there's a lot of bodies. There's a lot of bodies. Speaking of those bodies, uh, we did have another fun listener question from a couple of mailbags ago that we would like to do, uh, and that's coming up in just one moment. All right, Scott, here's why I like this summer, because we can do some fun stuff. And I just want to say we got a lot of listener suggestions, um, you know, to kind of look back on the last couple of Stanley Cups that the Canadians won, you know, kind of historic stuff, the Stay and Habs history. We got so many good ideas, and now's the time that we're going to implement them. So, you know, we're still going to have lots of content for you. It's just probably not going to be news-related and more historical or analysis. Maybe we do a deep dive. We had a great... um, um, goalie question from Tiernan, which we didn't get to with our goalie expert, but we really loved him. So maybe we'll have him back um, if he'll have us. Uh, so all of that to say is that this is the fun times of summer. And uh, I will be asking this mailbag question just because I thought it was a really fun question. And it comes from Adam on, uh, on YouTube. First off, I enjoyed the recent question about WWE wrestlers, and I love the idea of Jack Eye and Gallagher as a tag team. That was all Scott. I can't take any credit of that. So now, please choose any five Habs players, including Jack Eye, and A, match them with hidden talents you don't know about, something like chess, ping pong, barbecue, poetry, mountain climbing, electric guitar, whatever. Uh, and link them with different horror movie characters. I expect the Jackeye answer to be satisfying because he is a freaking beast. So we have to choose Jackeye plus four other Canadians players and talk about their hidden talents and what horror movie characters that they would be equivalent to. I feel like Arbor Jackeye is probably like a great like 
wakeboarder water skier somehow i don't really know why she just kind of seems like the thing he would probably like that he would be like about like honestly and as for a horror movie character he's just michael myers you you do not slow him down like you basically have to set the man on fire to stop him and that only works for a movie until he comes back in the next one again and he is just constantly just looming always a threat always like if you if you make one mistake he's gonna punish you for it um so my horror movie character for caulfield i'm just choosing caulfield because why not um is obviously chucky it has to be chucky i mean i'm trying to think of any i mean like there's leprechaun i guess but like that's like that felt like two on the nose, I guess, for, for <laughs> Cole Caulfield. So it's got to be Chucky for horror movie. So what is Cole Caulfield's hidden talent? Karaoke. Hmm. And it's not really a hidden talent because there's that video that John Beecher took of him uh, at development camp going to World Juniors where they're in the car and he is just absolutely belting out a song in the car that will be recorded. If I can find it, I will send it to Laura to post on our Twitter account. But it's uh, Cole Caulfield, I think, is great at karaoke. Um, for me, I was going to say that he's a talented pastry chef. Um, <laughs> I don't know why. Uh, so let's pick another player. I have one for Rem Pitlick. Go on. Rem Pitlick has an apiary. What's an Rem- apiary? Bees? Rem Pitlick keeps bees. Bees? <laughs> I was like, what's an, isn't that like a beekeeping thing? All right. You know what? I see it. What is his horror movie character? Oh, man. That's the thing is I don't really have one because like, has Na- well, I'm sure nature has been the villain in like a movie before, but I can't think of like the actual villain. So I'm going to, I'm going to go back to wrestling here for those. And I'm, I'm sorry about this, but this is my frame of reference where he, a heel champion in this was Daniel Bryan as the earth's champion. He made a WWE belt out of like reusable materials and talked about how everyone was terrible for not everything he said was correct, but he was the heel in all this because all he did was run down the fans. And that is exactly who I imagine Rem Pitlick being without like kicking people in the head like Daniel Bryan did at that point in time. For those who understand that reference, thank you. For those who don't, uh, just Google Daniel Bryan, Earth's champion. It'll make a lot more sense very, very quickly. So what other Canadians should we pick? I feel like we haven't talked about Caden Gooley in a while. I understand he was injured. So Caden Gooley, hidden talent, horror movie. Oh, well, it's not really a horror character because <laughs> it's actually heartwarming. Doesn't he kind of... Is like he's tall, so I immediately associated him with Lurch, who's a monster but not a horror movie. <laughs> My thought was because G- Caden Gooley's got like the soft, like pretty boy kind of like nice face, and he seems like you know he's your friend, but he's absolutely not. Is whoever? Oh God, what was his name in American Psycho? Um, uh, Bates, what's his name? No, that that's just uh, that was just uh, Norman Bates was just regular psycho. American Psycho was. Oh God! Uh, someone's screaming at us right now too. I'm googling this, and um, like I know it was so good. Uh, American Psycho. Um, Patrick, Patrick Bateman. Bateman. That's why I said yeah. Bates. Yeah, Patrick Bateman. 
it, right. it's like that in you know Caden Gooley's hidden talent is Caden Gooley is probably a very we already use pastry chef so I can't use baker for anything Caden Gooley can put together Ikea furniture without you know swearing while doing it that's a hidden he can, talent he can do it without the instructions which Ooh. I don't believe which I don't think is possible but that's just me and I hate putting furniture together so we've got we've done four players. We need a fifth one. You pick the player. Jake Allen. Oh. This one Jake. isn't hard. Jake Allen's a fisherman. Like I mean, <laughs> it's not a hidden talent. We just know that's what Jake Allen does. So No, we have to come up with another one. We have to come up with a fake one. But now I'm like I'm trying to imagine like was there a horror movie character where the murder is like a fisherman? I mean probably. <laughs> um Jake Allen can can shuck oysters at a world record pace. Ooh, because he's from the he's from Atlanta, Canada, so like he can. I think he could shuck oysters or mussels at a world record rate. Okay, I've got one. I don't know if you ever watched uh, either Split or Glass. I did not. Okay, so listeners, if you watched Glass with uh, with uh, Samuel L. Jackson, I believe it was. Um, or was it Samuel L. Jackson uh, and split like James McAvoy plays this person with like split characters with, with, um, with um, quote unquote, multiple personality disorder. Um, let's see. Nope. Wrong. Last movie. Sorry, listeners. It was Samuel L. Jackson. So it's like, it's the M. Night Shyamalan movie. And there's like a few of them. There's the one with Bruce Willis. Uh, it's part of a trilogy. So like the first movie is like Unbreakable. Or I don't know, like, I don't know if he explicitly relates it or not. But Split and Glass are part of the same uh, movie, sort of whatever it is, uh, set of movies. So Split, the guy, the James McAvoy character from Split. That's who Jake Allen is in a horror movie. That was way too long to come up yeah. with an answer. I mean, I knew like from like I knew who I wanted him to be, but I just couldn't figure out how to explain it. But those of you who have seen either Split or Glass, you'll know what I'm talking about. Um, and I think that's it for today. So don't forget. So this is the Tuesday episode. So our Friday episode is still there and it's still a mailbag. And we still want your mailbag questions, but also any of the longer sort of uh, historical uh, kind of um episode ideas that you've given us or some of the more deep dives that you've given us those are coming throughout august so please make sure you are subscribed to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts uh as well as on youtube please tell your friends please if if you if you like this episode share it um also give us good ratings and reviews if you do like us uh in the meantime you can find us on twitter at lo underscore canadians i refuse to call it whatever it is now or whatever it's going to change to in two weeks uh you can find scott on there <laughs> at scott matla you'll find me at the active stick you'll also find me on threads uh as the active stick uh and scott is calling me scort uh, there uh and we're also on blue sky <laughs> we're on all of them uh, and uh, as I said, make sure you're tuned in on Friday because that is our mailbag. And do not forget your questions. You can also email them to us at lockdowncanadians at gmail.com.